Welcome back to another episode of Believe Peace Podcast. This week's episode is going to be on racial and religious equity. Today we have Believe Peace team members and guests here to help us unpack this essential topic. Before we begin, we'll, we will give you guys each a short introduction. I'll begin. Hi, I'm Lita Bondeson. I'm the moderator for this episode. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm the audio and visual team leader for Believe Peace. Hi, I'm Shanti Ashok. I'm... I use she, her pronouns, and I'm a rising junior at Oakton High School, and I'm the content director at Lead Peace. Hi, I'm Ayad Yunus. I use she, her pronouns. I'm a rising junior, and I'm the writing development sub-team leader um, in Lead Peace. Hi, my name is Dima Osman. I use she, her pronouns. I'm a rising junior at KAA. And I'm the branding director here at Lead Peace. Hi, my name is Miriam Saeed. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm a rising junior at KA. Hi, my name's Michelle Togby. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm a rising junior at South County High School. Hi, my name is Jasmine Rollison. I use she, her pronouns, and I am a rising junior at West Springfield High School. I think Amina, you can go next. All right, um, hi everyone. My name is Amina. I am a rising senior at West Potomac High School. Now that we're done with the introductions, we'll start to go into what is racial and religious equity. Okay, I guess I can start off with that. I think the big misconception with the word equity versus equality is that people think that equality is very partisan whether that means socialism to them or communism to them. But like, I think in real terms, equality is so, has so much stigma around it at this point that equity is needed. Where equity, or where equity comes in is where it gives more resources to those who are more disadvantaged than others. And that especially pertains to race and religious equity. I think with a lot of different inequalities in our nation, we fail to adhere or see how race plays a part in it, especially when it comes to socioeconomic backgrounds. And I think that's what racial and religious equity is. Um, I agree with Shanti. Um, I think that when it comes to racial and religious equity, it's like a lot of the things that all of us here today have been doing for like the past few years or so, where we're just trying to give better representation to those who need it um, and also provide the resources to those who, you know, are at risk of certain things or need it the most. Um, And I think especially now with, like Shanti was saying, with equity and equality and, um, you know, a lot of words often being tossed around, the aspect of racial or religious equity sort of goes out the window. Um, because people sort of feel like if we do start the, these discussions, that's going to be too much work on their part. Um, so yeah, I think that's something that we need to work on. But uh, yeah, that's just what I have to say. 
totally second both your points, Shanti and Amina. Um, but one thing that I definitely notice, particularly in my school community, it's more of getting adults and, you know, my peers to start that conversation. Because once people hear, you know, racial, anything that has to do with race, um, equity, and just religion, they, they do get a bit antsy and they want to shy away from that conversation. But I think, you know, with things that our county, or at least Fairfax County has been doing recently, you kind of do see talks stemming from that that'll hopefully influence other school communities and, you know, your smaller school environment to continue that conversation. I agree with Michelle, and actually I, I just thought of a point, thank you, Michelle, for talking about that, is when it comes to the conversations of religious or even now with racial equity, we are often told to like shy away from the conversations or to not have them at all, which is incredibly damaging for students and for staff members, um, especially like in the school um, environment. And I think we really need to have these conversations if we actually want to see change in our communities, because trying to, you know, sort of just pass over the conversations of religious equity in the classroom, racial equity in the classroom, that really just leads to more just like uncomfort and um, disadvantages for many people, especially those that aren't, you know, white or white passing or Christian. Sorry, my like reactions on Zoom are acting up, but I totally agree with that. And what Amina said, like everything is so stigmatized when it comes to race. Like in this summer program I'm doing, we're supposed to be talking about like problems in our region. So I was talking about Nova and I'm like, there's a lot of lack of access to stuff. And nobody thought to bring up race until I brought it up. And it's just like, it shouldn't be one person trying to go for it i think race should be the first step that we take when we're discussing issues especially when it comes to everything that we discovered like our last episode was about academic competition and we touched on race a little bit there too but there's so much and i think honestly personally i think race relates to everything you can see it in some form in every issue and i could talk about this for hours but the whole stigma around race relates to politics and how partisan politics has become around the subject of race like republicans think that race is a certain thing and then democrats think race is a certain thing and just schools fail to bring it up in curriculum just because of partisan politics which makes no sense to me i agree i, I think that's actually a really good point because the longer that we stray away from these conversations of racial and religious equity is going to be the longer that we're not going to see any change or even want to be a part of the change um and that's just going to again lead to that like just uncomfort in these making these environments that aren't affirming for all kids and all, for all staff members at schools um and i think in order to actually see change or to actually even want to be a part of a community that is welcoming we need to have these discussions um and yeah i mean i again just like shanti said i could go on for this for a long time but um yeah i'll stop there for now 
Yeah, I'd love to hear anyone else's input on that. Oh, Jasmine, sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. Oh, did my mic come on? Um, I didn't say anything, um, but I did want to add on to how you guys were explained it perfectly on what racial and religious equity um, kind of is and how it's different from what we were kind of brought up in to believe that it is. One thing I think that we should definitely I sort of think about is over the past year, especially, or now two years almost, is we have been always told to not bring up politics in the classroom, not bring up, you know, social justice in the classroom. And over this past year, at least in FCPS, that's exactly what has been happening. And we have started those conversations and we've seen changes in the way that staff members respond. So now imagine if we started talking about religion and race at the extent that we do with now politics and social justice, the way that you see more representation of the minority and POC communities in our history classes, or we at least wish to see in our history classes that were never there before. So we need to actually make these you know, changes and sort of like open up these cracks that we've been just trying to like close up for so long so that we can actually see change. And then so future generations and, you know, current students that are in elementary schools are, you know, comfortable in the environment they come to because it's not just about politics or social justice. It's also about religion, race and everything else that people bring to the table. Absolutely, Amina, I agree with everything you just said. Um, on the note of like what FCPS has been really doing on the grounds of equity, I really, really appreciated and loved what they did on the grounds of religion and equity in regards to religion. You know, they kind of acknowledged the fact that our holidays are so Eurocentric, especially in regards to Christianity. And there's nothing wrong with that, I mean, we should respect all religions, but also, you know, they're not the only ones with holidays. You know, they're not the only ones who fast. They're not the only ones who take certain breaks around the school year. So it's almost as if the system kind of failed us in the sense of respecting and regarding other religions by only kind of building our holidays, our breaks based off of one religion. So I think by you know creating these days where it's like um um somebody filled me and i forgot what they're called where they don't allow us to have uh new uh instructions anybody remember it's fine if you don't no but they're they're like called no instruction days where teachers weren't allowed to teach new content and although it's not you know a day off of school like you know christmas break but like it is something that is, in a sense, kind of comparable, you know, it may not be, you know, a whole month off for Eid or something like that, but it's definitely a step in the right direction, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree, but I also think that, um, especially like for from this last school year during the pandemic, 
We have seen those changes, but it's also not really to the extent that we would like to see. And although we can obviously work on that and, you know, we face a lot of hurdles with this school year, I think that we there was changes that we could have definitely made. There are things that could have definitely been done, but weren't done. Um, and that's really damaging, especially for students. Like for myself, for example, I'm a Muslim student, not getting days off for Eid or feeling, feeling like, oh, I have to still go to class on a day where I'm supposed to be celebrating my religion, where other religions get like a week off or so. It's really frustrating because now I feel like my religion is stopping me from my educational success, which should never be the case. And we should be given these things from the very beginning. But I think the fact that we haven't been given these things from the very beginning is another just sign of what our American history is um, with white supremacy and with only trying to just follow one line and one rule of um, sort of like dictatorship or leadership. bringing up school is a really good point and I just wanted to know like do any of our participants have experiences in school with um, other than days off with having injustice or having discrimination happen towards them yeah so I um, was talking about this with a friend the other day on how there are stereotypes for how well a student will succeed in school based on their race or their ethnicity and I had an experience once where um, I wasn't encouraged to take a class because, and the teacher didn't give me the specific reason why, but a few people and I were thinking that it may be because of my demographic and how I am a black and Hispanic student. And you don't automatically think um, based on stereotypes that black and Hispanic students are gonna succeed in that class. Um, and it's it's really unfair on how stereotypes really are in our school and education system. And I think that it's mostly because we don't really have a diverse staff in FCPS. So having a more diverse staff in the school community will encourage students to challenge themselves and go up to their teacher feeling confident comfortable and confident asking questions without feeling like they're judged because of the race. It shouldn't be that way. Absolutely, Jasmine. And I kind of, I full heartedly agree with what you just said. And I've kind of had a similar experience myself. Um, a teacher has told me directly to my face that because, you know, there wasn't a lot of people of color in a certain class that I wanted to take that I probably wouldn't feel comfortable or it probably would be a too difficult or advanced class for me. And at the time, I didn't really register that as something that truly was an act of aggression, really, from someone who's supposed to be my teacher, you know, somebody that's supposed to teach me about a variety of things and in the end influence the way I act as a person. So I think going from that it really does it does start at the root you can't just come at the students for not knowing better it's also you know 
seeing who they're taught by. And, you know, if the people that teach us don't necessarily reflect the ideals that, well, let's face it, society kind of has, then, you know, it's going to be a bit difficult. And also something that I've been working really, really hard to kind of like educate others on has been microaggressions and kind of, you know, piggybacking off of stereotypes and how certain words can be trigger words. Like for me in particular, the word aggressive is a trigger word for me. And it's also something that like, you know, gives me a bit of anxiety. You know, if somebody says I'm aggressive, is it because I'm being too passionate about a topic? Or is it because I seem to care too much about something? So it's like, it may be just a little word that you could throw around, but it also depends who you're talking to because they're going to feel almost as if they're being targeted. Yeah, I, I agree um, with what Michelle and Jasmine have said so far. I think for me personally, um, I've experienced many things as you know, a student who I've, I've been wearing my hijab for since I think around fifth grade. And so I've, you know, grown a lot because of it. But, you know, doing so, I have also felt like if I wear the hijab, and I've been told this, if I wear something that's going to reflect my religion, then I'm probably not going to be treated the same. And that was very telling, especially in these past few years. Um, and I remember my sophomore year of high school, I took this AP class and for me growing up in AAP and growing up taking advanced classes it felt fine but I you know got to the classroom and I just saw the demographic and it just you know was really intimidating in a way because I just felt like a my educator doesn't even look like me and B everyone in the class is white and that was just you know scary for a little bit because you know I, I know you just don't see people like yourself teaching. And that's the big thing that gets, you know, the POC community and students that aren't, you know, of a certain background away from wanting to continue their education is because they don't even see what they're looking at in the mirror. And so I remember one time, like in my AP world class, we were like taking this like quiz on like Islamic history and so I felt a little bit better because my grades are sort of slipping in the class and I felt a little bit better because I would know a little bit more about it. And I get to class and my teacher's just like, oh, she's gonna finally pass this one. And I'm just like, whoa, like what, what does that even mean? And so like in my head, and at that time I wasn't very confident either. I was sort of just like, what? Like, you know, like what am I supposed to say to that? Like, thank you. So I just like, took the quiz obviously well not obviously but I did pass it but it's just you know really sad to think that these are the same people that are going to be you know in charge of educating our future generations that are going to you know grow up with more equity and with more justice oriented you know activities in the classroom um and that's it, it's really scary I really think we need to work on our staffing in FCPS especially when it comes to different backgrounds yeah and I wanted to jump in here um Sarah who couldn't be here she had a family event she gave in a couple of points that she wanted me to bring up and one thing that I think is relevant here is she said that in American public schools 
Muslim and Jewish children are more likely to experience bullying, whether it is by students or teachers themselves. Different backgrounds in history can make it harder for various races to reach the same opportunities as other races, so it's important to focus on racial equity then equality, because treating each race, th each race the same, essentially what equality is, is not as fair due to the fact that there are races with a head start. And I totally agree, like, I was personally, I think I was on the other side of all the stories here. I know my privilege as having wealth in my family and I know my privilege as having access to all these prep books and prep materials, especially when it comes to TJ admissions or when it comes to like prep, like SAT and standardized testing. There's so much that goes into it that people don't think of and all of that can play a, a role in how we like perform academically. And I think that's definitely something that we don't recognize. And then like, Amina said she brought up the AAP program and I was in the AAP program since elementary school and it's definitely I saw the same patterns as what I was saying before like those who could afford those prep materials and those who could afford those prep classes were able to do a lot better than those who couldn't and race played a huge role because as an Indian I saw a lot of the people of the same race as mine which I thought was great but then I didn't think of anything or anything of it until I reached middle and high school when that drastically changed and you could see a certain demographic of people in those non-AAP classes versus in the AAP classes. And I think that was my big turning point towards like advocating for that in FCPS, especially because we don't realize how big FCPS is compared to all the other, other counties in Virginia, especially those more Southern counties. Like they're very small compared to us. So we have to remember as Fairfax County students and faculty and staff that we're technically setting an example for those other counties because they're more likely to follow our footsteps than we are theirs. I agree. One thing I think um, is really interesting about our county as well is like Shanti said, our county is big. We have a lot of kids. We're very diverse in our student population at least. But the way that we are spread out is not, you know, equitable or, you know, a great representation of who we are. And that's why even if you do go to any, you know, high school in FCPS, you're likely not going to see the accurate representation of the entirety of FCPS because of, you know, the, you know, more wealthy neighborhoods, the less wealthy neighborhoods, you know, the divide between like there's you know often like poc kids that take the bus whereas there's like non-poc kids taking you know just driving to school these tiny differences add up so much that it just makes kids not even want to go to school anymore but the thing with that even is like during the virtual school year we didn't even have to think about that and one fear that i sort of have is like as soon as we go back to school it's just going to be the same exact thing as before virtual and really in a way the work that we have been trying to you know we've been putting so much effort in is probably going to go not to waste but it's probably going to be ignored by a large chunk because now we're back in person now we're back to normal um but obviously normal wasn't working I think everything that you guys have shared is super powerful and I think that your anecdotes were very like insightful and I just like I kind of wanted to know since we're all we all identify as women here I wanted to know if you think that that in 
um, conjunction with your race or your religious alignment? Do you think that that's played a role in the way that you've been treated or your experiences? Um, if no one else is going to go, I could just go really quick. I think in a way it does, especially when you see, you know, both, you know, you know more than just, you know, female men, or sorry, I can't really talk, but like female and like male at school and stuff like that. You see that there's an obvious difference between the populations, even when it comes to race and religion, because oftentimes, and I, I feel like everyone here can sort of agree, people just tend to off the bat see women as more vulnerable and therefore easier targets and especially when it comes to discrimination we just feel like something that they can take their like anger out on or they can take their discrimination out on and it just makes us want to like hide more and more of ourselves until like we get to a point where we feel like if we don't speak out like something you know worse is going to brew um so i think yes to answer that question for me um i'm gonna talk more about sports and how men and um women's sports in fcps high schools they're they're considered completely different so one thing i noticed is that female sports don't have managers unlike male sports so for example, football has managers um, who kind of like give them water and stuff like that. But female sports like girls basketball, they don't have managers. They're kind of expected to do the work themselves, which is completely unfair because that just goes to show that they get less funding as well when it comes to games, they get less support from the school community. And that's something that is just completely unfair. And I'm sure there are ways to fix that in FCPS communities. Yeah, and I think that you as a um, girl who's on the football team know a lot about that. And I was wondering if there's any like experiences that you think you had in um, freshman year that were affected by your like identification as a woman and as a person of color? Oh, definitely. Um, I received a lot of sexual um, just harassment and assaults. Um, unfortunately, I did have to go into the boys locker room a few times, actually every practice because that's where my gear was. And one time this guy uh he tried doing some stuff and the coaches they were very protective over me fortunately they kind of treated me like a daughter so they would confront them on my behalf but one time i was taking off my shoulder pads and my shirt came up and we all automatically think of football guys as working out with their shirts off that stereotype is true they love to show off and take off their shirts while I was taking off my shoulder pads, my shirt lifted up a little bit and my sports bra showed. A sports bra honestly shouldn't be sexualized at all. So that's why it was really frustrating that the next day I heard a few rumors about me saying that I was trying to show off and that I was, they just called me a lot of rude names and spreaded rumors about me that shouldn't have been spread because it's not true at all. 
So yeah, it's true that the guys really treated me messed up, um, not for my race, but for my gender identification. And, you know, it was just something that shouldn't happen to anybody. Definitely. And I think that that vulnerability that was mentioned before comes in again with that. And I was wondering if I know that you guys were talking about having change and having hope that things have changed throughout all of this work that's been done. Um, do you think that Gen Z is like the start of it or is like keeping it going? Or do you think that it started before or that it's just still you're trying to pick it up or I don't know, do you think that there's anything that has to do with our generation that is is helping this like whole entire movement? Um, if, if no one else is gonna go, I just wanted to say really quick that I think in a way, yes, because I feel like our generation specifically just grew up taking on more roles than many of us wanted to. And I think that we sort of grew up, especially with, you know, a lot of change and being able to grow up, you know, seeing a black president, being able to grow up, seeing slight changes in even, you know, our, our social circles. And those were really big. I know they were for me. Um, I think that this is something that has been definitely been talked about a lot, but when it comes to actually doing the work, um, I think people tend to stray away from it just because getting into this work could possibly be dangerous and trying to fight for change where so many people in our country are comfortable with staying the same is really difficult because, you know, us speaking out about all of these things that we're facing, even though it's easier to do it virtually, would definitely be more harder when we're in person and have to deal with, you know, the stares and, you know, the side eyes of people that don't agree with us. And we've been constantly living in fear until we have gotten this, you know, this virtual platform, although it comes with challenges, it has allowed us to be solid and, you know, stand firm with our beliefs and actually want these changes. Um, so, yeah. Oh, Michelle, you can go ahead. Not much that I was going to say. I, I honestly was just going to say the exact same thing, Ravana. I think that because we've kind of had a year of just kind of being secluded off to ourselves, it's kind of given a lot of people more time to reflect on their actions, reflect on what they want to say that they were able to do for certain movements um, during this time. and. I definitely think that if you look back on other generations and you see the critical stuff that they marched for, what they believed in, you, you definitely see more of like a split point of view, like it's more 50-50 than you think. And if you look at the data from, you know, Gen Z, you, you see that we have, where at least our beliefs align more than, you know, other generations' beliefs have in the past. So I definitely think it's nice to know that somebody who probably doesn't even live in the same state as you can see what you reposted online and just see that 
see the message and want to like agree with you and like repost it too so I think that because we've kind of also had this like shield to kind of hide behind on social media in a way it's kind of like I like to think social media is like another form of armor because again you know we were in the novel pandemic you know we couldn't see our friends we weren't able to necessarily go around with flyers in our school building I think it was a nice way to kind of spread the word about what you believe in without necessarily having to worry about not consequences but you know negative feedback yeah i definitely agree with both of your points i do think that our generation has done lots of change and that's really helped um one thing that it wasn't just I feel like Gen Z had a really big impact with was during the BLM movement last year with everything that went on. I feel like that just had such a big impact. And honestly, it, it yeah, just had such a big impact. Um, and then, and although my school experiences are kind of different from all of you guys, because I, I go to like a Muslim private school. So, you know, I do, I have different experiences than you guys do as FCPS students. But um, something that I think was really good that happened during this school year was that we start, there was a social justice conversations club that was started at our school. And I think like that was something that was really good that was, uh, that was started because in being in like an Islamic school and like, I feel like any religious school, that's something that's not social justice issues aren't something that's very talked about a lot. And um, yeah, so it was really good to be getting like, uh, different perspectives inside the school and um yeah Ayat, i can you can go ahead because i know you haven't talked yet so oh thanks um i just wanted to talk about what dima said because we're both trying to have like leadership roles in that social justice club and it's pretty cool seeing how like a muslim school which I wouldn't necessarily say like we ignore issues, but just not talked about. Like the students amongst each other talk about it, but not with the staff members. So it's really cool seeing that. Um, something I I think Amina brought this up earlier about just like representation. So I also go um, to the Muslim school Dima's talking about, and I'm also a white person, so I don't I have that privilege um, that unfortunately a lot of people don't. But as someone with the Muslim background, something that has more recently been like bothering me is like the lack of representation in like media and like if there is representation it's very poor it's like always the terrorist stereotype or like the overly academic achiever stereotype it's never just like a normal like muslim student um and i think that's why i really like the show never have i ever because although they're not muslim they still have like kind of that like a different background and so i know a lot of people were like the show's so cringy blah blah, blah. and like yeah there isn't really a storyline but like it's just so cool seeing like those types of characters like like on a platform like net like netflix and i just really wish there were more, more shows like that or like if you know the show scam like they have a whole season dedicated to the one muslim character and they like show her in like a really positive light so that's just something that i want to talk about because i feel like there really is a lack of muslim representation and it's just always like the terrorist or like aladdin like that's not even muslim but you know i'm actually really glad you brought up never have i ever because i've been meaning to talk about that so i'm hindu i grew up hindu and i'm indian and personally 
I have some qualms with the show myself. I think casteism is rarely talked about in India, and that was a huge part that played in that show. I know in the Indian community, there's been a lot of like back and forth about the show. Half the Indian community thinks it's great, the other half thinks it's very casteist. And Mindy Kaling, she's the director or producer, I don't know, I can't remember. She's that person on the show who's like running everything. And she's been known to be very casteist, and that's where all those conversations come from about Never Have I Ever. And at first, I did love that like we had Indian representation on Netflix and all of that. But then along with casteism comes colorism in the Indian community, which was a huge thing. And I know I have privilege myself because I'm very light skinned, but I'm also South Indian. So a lot of my family, they're more darker skinned. And you can notice a lot of differences in a lot of the things that happen in India versus here, because while the show Never Have I Ever, like I said before, it was very eye opening for me. I think that nobody talks about casteism in India and that sucks. And going back to the conversation on social media, I totally agree that social media changed everything, but now I personally think it's declining. I think we as Gen Z can't focus on one sole issue at a time and we're jumping from issue to issue to issue that we can't make a real impact on anything. Like I know that we were talking about Black Lives Matter and I personally think that was one of the greatest efforts we've had and one of the greatest things that we could have accomplished. But now, I remember seeing all over social media during, Af or sorry, not African American, Asian American Pacific Islander Month, which was in May. I remember there was no conversations about it, rarely touched on. And then as soon as Pride Month came on, everyone was back to Pride Month and then it disappeared in July. And I think that's just a perfect example of how we're going towards as Gen Z. And I think that if we can unify and learn to come together on an issue at a time, we can really make more of an impact on what we want to do. Absolutely, Shanti. I just want to say something real quick. When you say that we jump from issues to issues, that is so completely true. It's like, whatever grabs our attention more or like whatever seems to be the hot topic of the moment we'll like focus on it for like one week and then completely forget that you know there's essentially a dictatorship going on in cuba and then like not think about black lives matter for like a solid month or two or just completely ignore asian american pacific islander month for like because there's something else going on and i think because there's kind of like that trend from jumping to different issues, we kind of just think, oh, because we're not necessarily experiencing these issues, we don't have to worry about them right now. So I just thought I would kind of like emphasize your point a little bit. Yeah, I agree. And I, oh, Dima, did you want to go ahead? No, you can go. I'll go after. All right. Okay. Thank you. Um, I was just going to say, I agree with what Michelle and Shanti brought up because those are also really good points. Um, I think the thing about Gen Z is because we also have access and we're so accustomed to social media, we our attention span, especially for things that really matter, like worldly issues, is so small. Like we literally jump from issue to issue. And the one thing that I don't really like about the months that we have of, with like each month having a label or even when we have like certain celebratory weeks, it just feels like let's celebrate celebrate these people for like a couple days and then move on with our lives when it should be 
we need to be celebrating everyone all the time. And it's really frustrating because you see the impact that these types of, you know, discussions have on brands because like for Pride Month, for example, um, I have the... I have the app Zillow, for example, and they had their icon as a pride flag for the entire month and then took it down at the end. And they, a lot of companies do the same exact thing over and over and over again for each type of month or week. And it's frustrating because that's ex the exact message that's now, you know, seeded in our minds because we just think we have to, you know, care for certain people for a certain amount of time. When really, when we're talking about issues of injustice and wanting to see change, we have to want to see it all the time and not just for a certain period of time. And we also have to see it for people outside of our country or communities us only talking about you know the black lives matter movement in america does not serve justice for those who are literally being massacred in um for example sudan or tigray or when we're you know thinking about all these other countries where black lives also matter there you know n north american lives aren't the only lives that matter we have to be more open-minded and remember that if we want to talk about equity, it has to be for everyone. And I know personally for me, my getting closer to my religion was the thing that got me into equity work because I started, you know, connecting the different sort of like paths or like trying to align my religion with my life. And us not talking about that in school, us not trying to represent different backgrounds in school is the reason why we can't just move forward. Yeah, I agree with all the points you brought up. Um, I also wanted to kind of add on on the thing how we were talking about switching on social media, switching every month. Um, another thing I think I've also seen, like that's also been pretty present on social media is like oppression Olympics. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but it's like, I don't understand why that's a thing because it's like uh let's say one issue so something that i saw during when the free palestine was like something that everyone was talking about on social media um so during that whole movement and all the protests and stuff i saw a lot of people saying oh well how come like how do you support black lives matter or like bringing in black lives matter with the free palestine movement and or like that thing with Palestine Lives Matter where they were trying to change it, which doesn't make sense because Free Palestine has been the movement longer than Black Lives Matter existed. But yeah, that whole oppression Olympics thing just does not make sense at all because it's it's not a game, you know? It doesn't, you shouldn't be fighting over who gets oppressed the most. Yeah, Mariam, I know you wanted to um, say something, but I just wanted to go off what Nima was saying. With the Free Palestine movement, there was also a lot um, especially on Twitter, of people being like, if you're LGBTQ, you shouldn't be supporting Palestine for XYZ reasons. And I remember there was this one influencer, I, I forget their handle, but I follow them on Twitter. And um, they were just like, they were uh, in the LGBTQ community and they were like, you know, it's not like an exchangement. Like, I don't support, like, I'm not going to support you if you support me. Like, I support you because you deserve basic, like, rights. Um, so yeah, I just want to bring that up because I remember a lot of people being like, why are you like LGBTQ and supporting Palestine? And then the whole like PLM thing was also like a big part. Sorry, Mediam. 
Um, no, you're good. So I wanted to go back to what Amina was saying about like how people will kind of like friend hop on social justice movements. And it all comes down to like um, performative activism. Um, so we, I know we talked about how Gen Z is like making change and like bringing up the conversations um, about race and about um, equity and things like that. But I think it's also important to bring up how a lot of the um, the activism that goes on, especially online, is very performative, and it's only because they don't want to um, see if they don't want to um, appear to their friends like they um, are racist or they're Islamophobic or they are anti-Palestinian, for example. And I think that. Um, while it's important to like not diminish some of the important work that in social justice that Gen Z has done, um, especially um, regarding Black Lives Matter um, last summer, um, I think it's also important to like shed light on a lot uh, how a lot of the activism that we do is very performative. I completely agree with what Mariam said, and I thank you for bringing that up. Like it is. Th- it's so interesting to see, especially when it's virtual, um, seeing who cares, who doesn't, who is doing it just to add it to their Instagram highlights and who's doing it to, you know, want to see the change. One thing that I have noticed a lot, especially for example, with the Palestine movement and with all the injustice going on there. I remember when I would post about it, when I would talk about it, I would be called anti-Semitic for wanting to see Palestine free. And that's the frustrating thing. I know we were talking about like when people like pick and choose the trends they wanna follow, just because one person supports a movement does not mean that they are against you. And it's frustrating, especially when it comes to activism, because you constantly have to feel like you have to just you know, make sure you tell everyone what you stand for and all the specifics. And you can't just advocate for something without being called out for it. Or you can't just like, for example, call, you know, say you want to see change in Palestine without being called, you know, and, you know, someone who's anti-Israel or anti-Semitic. That's not the case. We just want to see more people free the way we want to see people free in our own homeland. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I wanted to bring up one of Sarah's last points. Islamophobia, anti-Semitism, and Hinduphobia are just a couple of prevalent acts of religious discrimination in our society, and they are also a cause and result of the lack of religious equity in society. And I think that comes into what we were talking about with social media. Like, based off of your religion, people will care more about an issue, which makes zero sense to me. Because... I know, like, personally, Hindu phobia, I think, doesn't exist. I think more the problem is cultural appropriation, and it's, like, rarely talked about at all. Like, it happens with basically every religion, what have I've seen, and, like, nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to call it out because they're like, oh, that's the people who are in that religion. Like, that's their quote-unquote job to do. But people don't realize that we're being talked over because people think, no, that's, like, not offensive. Like, why are you offended by that? But it's just, it's crazy because I see so many celebrities appropriating our Hindu idols or people misinterpreting it, especially in curriculum. Like, 
it's so bizarre to me going into curriculum and learning about my own religion and then it's completely wrong like one of the biggest misconceptions i always hear like hinduism is polytheistic when yeah we do have multiple gods but we're technically monotheistic because we believe god is one and that's just different forms of god but like i've been always so scared to tell my teachers that just because of the backlash i might get and personally my mom loves to blast the Bollywood music all the time, so I always turn it down when I'm leaving the car at a school event because I'm so ashamed of it. Like, I don't want people to see my roots, which sucks because I love my heritage, but I just don't want to speak about it because of the backlash I might get in, you know, school. Like, I think there's a certain stereotype where there's that one kid who's so involved in their heritage, and like, I don't want to be seen as that, but I also don't want my heritage to be erased, and I think that's prevalent on social media too. Like, I think I'm personally so scared to talk about my religion or talk about certain topics like Amina said because people might see me as a certain like image. Especially when it came to the Black Lives Matter movement, I think performative activism was huge. I specifically remember I posted on my story about something because everyone was attacking people who were posting graduation pictures or who were posting beach pictures at the time. And I took a stance like, if it's not a trend on Black Lives Matter, so if people aren't posting about it, then that's okay because that shows that they truly don't care about it. Like, just leave them alone. If you really want people to post about it that much, you're just going to have a lot of performative activists, which I think people don't realize on social media if you force someone to post something then the meaning behind the entire movement or basically a part of the movement is going to be taken away yeah i i agree with that a lot i think when you especially at the start of the black lives matter movement when some people wouldn't post about it and then would be peer pressured into posting about it they were that just steered them further away from even wanting to support the movement and one thing about even wanting to have people listen to your voice is allowing them or making a comfortable environment for them if i'm coming to you in your instagram dms and saying you're not posting about this you're anti this and anti that well you're not going to want to post about it because now someone who does post about it is being discriminatory or disrespectful to you um Another thing is Shanti brought up a great point about how religion is, especially in our curriculum, is taught from people who know nothing about the religion. And we it's often white people or white men specifically teaching us about our roots. And it causes us to shut down because now we don't know it's true. And we feel afraid to express our religion or our culture because what if we're seen as someone that cares more about their homeland than they do about America when America is built on the foundation of immigrants and sacrifice of the POC community? Um, you know, like, why aren't we taught about the sacrifices that so many people made? For example, like the South Asian community coming here and, you know, generating a lot in New York and then moving on throughout the rest of the country. We aren't taught these things because no one wants to acknowledge the efforts that people other than white people made. And it's evident even now. Yeah, so I kind of want to talk about... Um social media again and how so many of these important movements have become trends and those who just people are are expected to post stuff or you know share their opinion and 
I received a lot of like messages because I'm black and I I just wouldn't really post too much about the Black Lives Matter movement on social media because I would prefer to show my actions in person than through a screen, you know? And I like, I go against trends, honestly. Like I, I kind of, I pull away from like mainstream stuff because I prefer to actually become a person that shows love and supports others instead of doing it just to seek people's approval and to seem like to show my to appear a way to others that I'm not actually demonstrating except for through Instagram or something so yeah I mean it's it's kind of messed up how um, people were kind of forced into posting their opinions and if their opinion wasn't like if their opinion was considered, um, oh gosh, I forgot the word. Like if it was considered rude or offensive to somebody, then they would automatically receive hate, even though they didn't mean it in an offensive way. So yeah, that's what I had to say. Um. So I wanted to um, talk about how, um, what was I, sorry. I can't remember what I was gonna say. Yeah, no worries, sorry, go ahead, Mina. That's okay, just talking about um, performative activism and you guys were saying that representation like there's a lot of lacking representation and media and just do you think that your standards and your like expectations of representation is like super low lower than it should be when it comes to watching shows or in school like you guys were saying and it has it been affected by like the performative activism and all of the um like false representation or like inaccurate representation you've seen Oh, sorry. Uh, but yeah, I'd say definitely. Okay, so so in terms of hijabi characters and like movies and shows, it's like I I have no hope. But yeah, and f- so an example is in Ali, which you probably like all heard the same example where it's this one girl who's a hijabi and then she takes her hijab off for a white boy and then it's just like, what? What is that? And then that's not the only example. There's another movie with the same storyline. And that's kind of just the same representation that's been shown over and over again. So I'm like, why do you, why does she have to take it off for like, for a boy or like anyone in general? So yeah, I've lost hope, honestly, in finding good representation for a good, uh, for a hijabi or just a Muslim woman. Yeah, I, I agree 100% with Dima, and I was actually about to bring that up. I remember seeing this thing on my TikTok feed because I just do not watch, like, the Eurocentric perspective of, like, Muslim people ever. So I saw this clip on TikTok of this girl who was breaking her fast with a shot of alcohol at in a movie. And so, like, from the Muslim perspective, that's like, okay, you're fasting, but then you're also doing something we are not supposed to come near and it's frustrating because muslim misrepresentation 
has been has become so bad and not only Muslim misrepresentation, the Hindu community representation, the South Asian community in general, and really any community that isn't white. It always just comes down to that. It's just sad because we always feel misrepresented and that just strays more of our community away from the production industry because now no one wants to join it because no one even wants to put in the effort to change it because they know how corrupted it is and you know it's it's really scary to see because it just goes to show that everything that we learn from the classroom everything that we learn you know through educators just goes out the window because anything that they have been teaching clearly has not been working um because if it would have been we wouldn't see the the misrepresentation that we're seeing now yeah like to just to go off of that it gets to a point i saw that clip too on tiktok it gets to a point where you're just like i don't even want the representation anymore because every single time it's so um it's it's done so wrong like i'm sure you guys know that show fate it's based on the wings club and it's about magic fairies whatever i remember watching it and in one of the scenes there was in the back uh like a hijabi which is very odd because if you know anything about islam like islam doesn't um associate itself with any type of witchcraft or magic so seeing that i was just like like just take her out like honestly i don't even want it anymore because it's just like either she's like taking a shot or she's taking her hijab off for a white boy. Even in books, there was a book I read during Ramadan and the first half of the book was great and it was like perfect Muslim representation. And the second half, she meets a, the famous, the popular white boy, takes her hijab off, stops going to prayer. And the weirdest part of it all was the author was Muslim. So I was very, very confused and I was like, and then I go on Goodreads, all the reviews written by white people were like, this is an amazing book, perfect representation. And all the Muslim people were just like, what is this? So it just gets to a point where like now I'm just like, can I get just someone saying salamu alaikum, like anything? <laughs> because I'm just so sick of like seeing Muslims doing witchcraft or like Muslims drinking. Like it's just so frustrating. Sorry, I know like some of you guys had your hands up to speak, but I wanted to go off of what I had to sing again. So like, this is another example that I just thought of, um, but in Grey's Anatomy, so they got a hijabi like doctor, right? And then I remember when I saw it, like I saw that they also got like a hijabi, a Muslim writer to help them write the character and write everything that she was doing. So when I saw that, I was like, oh my God, it's gonna be perfect, amazing. She's gonna be such an amazing character. And then, um, so I didn't get to that part in the show because I stopped watching earlier before she came in. Um, but I, then I see a clip of her like taking off her hijab to stop the bleeding of a patient. So I was like, okay, like she couldn't have had like a towel or something near her to stop the patient from bleeding. Like you guys just had to bring in her taking off her hijab. And then most of the time with Muslim or hijabi representation, they never actually bring an actual hijabi. Like sometimes, um, the character is Muslim, but she doesn't wear a hijab. So yeah, it's most of the time just them trying to bring in a token Muslim character and then just making it the plot all wrong. Miriam, you can go ahead. Okay, so I was gonna kind of go off of what I was saying about the Muslim representation and how it's just always so terrible. Like every time I see like something 
like there'll be like a new show or a new movie and there'll be like a Muslim character and I'll, and like at this point I've given up I'm like there's no way it's good and it's gotten to a point where I get more excited when I see like animated films like for example the movie Soul that Pixar released like earlier this year and there's like a pedestrian that wears hijab I'm like wow such good representation because it's always it's always just like when they make it like an actual character it's like wow this really sucks it's like so bad all of the time and it's honestly more exciting to see muslims are presented as just like normal people like walking down the street so yeah that's what i wanted to say yeah and i like oh yeah and i think amina brought this up about like hindus but the first thing i could think of is how they portrayed ravi and jesse it was just so bizarre to me i grew up watching that show i just like it didn't phase me until middle school because it's like even the actor himself was uncomfortable in the role but they didn't stop him from doing it it just didn't make sense to me like there's so many misconceptions about hindus they always associate us with academics and especially ravi from jesse i think that was the biggest thing because he was wearing like kurtas all the time and he had a random lizard i don't even that doesn't even relate to our religion so i don't know how that was in there but one thing that's not talked about is how much that media affects hindus outside of social or in social media because i know that we're always like seeing tiktok comments about like have you guys seen that tiktok clip where it's like this girl named puja is pushing over a chair or something and then someone says yeah Every single comment on TikTok, whenever someone sees an Indian person, Pooja, what is this behavior? Like Ravi, some, somehow bringing up Ravi, or, and then I forgot whatever, what else. And then Baljeet from Phineas and Ferb. Like all these different things, I think they especially show up on social media because it's just crazy to me how much racism towards South Asians especially, it's so normalized because nobody thinks to bring it up saying like that's offensive. But then in a TikTok comment, when someone says that's offensive, they'll be like, go away, snowflake. It's like, it just, it really, I think it impacts us a lot more in media, especially with all these people in like religion and how it's portrayed. It really affects us, not even outside or not even in social media, but also outside social media because you're given like, this is what your religion should look like or this is what people see your religion as when that's just really the what the white producers see your religion as. Yeah, um, something I also, um, oh, sorry, Amina, you can go ahead. No, you're totally fine. Go right ahead. Um, since we're like talking about TV shows, if you've seen that show Grand Army on Netflix, it is a great show, but in the middle of the season, they introduce a um, character whose father, I believe, was Muslim. His name was Omar, right? So I saw I saw him, and I was like, oh my god, like, finally a, a Muslim character, and he wasn't portrayed as, like, homophobic or anything. Like he, at first, he was a normal character, and two minutes after he was introduced, he starts smoking, and, like, the character he was talking to was, like... I hate Islam, Islam's oppressive, blah, 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 Like, saying all these things, and I was like, you should have just taken the character out. Like, why is he even there? Like, if you're just, if you're gonna do it wrong, just don't do it at all. Like, like Mariam said, in that movie Soul, when there's, like, a Hidari pedestrian, I'm like, wow, 10 out of 10. Like, the bar is so low right now. Yeah, um, I, had, I wanted to add something really quick before I head out. 
Um, one thing, as we also talk about misrepresentation of um, different racial backgrounds and religions um, in the media is its impact it has on countries that aren't in Northern America. For example, when you when we often just see um, like we see the Muslim misrepresentation, we see the misrepresentation of the South Asian community, the Hindu community, um, and the Jewish community, and all these other religions that aren't really Eurocentric. This impacts the way that the the homelands, you know, produce their media. For example, like the other day, I was watching something, and my family and I, we often watch like um, like Pakistani or Indian shows and or, or movies, and they are now they have been like switching the way that they you know cast their actors or cast the roles or even what the plot of the movies and shows is in order for them to fit in more with the eurocentric ideals and it just goes to show the superiority that we have and the fact that we don't use our media for good use um is really frustrating because now those countries and their you know pure cultures and ideologies are becoming corrupted and there's really no going back it's just you know a downward spiral of getting worse and worse but i think the way that we can really start this change is by continuing the you know the the movement that we have all worked on over the past year um and over you know as many years as we have been working with equity and justice in order to be that change for the upcoming um generations um but yeah that's that's all i had today i really appreciate everyone um and the discussion today um i'm gonna head out so thank you all so much Yeah, I kind of wanted to go back. Oh, let me mute my phone real quick. Okay, sorry about that. Um, so I kind of wanted to go back about the misrepresentation um, of non-European, non-Northern American communities. So one thing I've noticed is that um, Colombians are typically thought of um, as drug dealers or those who are involved in violence and um, Narcos, if you haven't heard about that show on Netflix, which is about Pablo Escobar and stuff. And I've been, um, whenever people ask what my ethnicity is and I tell them that I'm half Colombian, they've asked me if I've sold drugs before. Um, so it's really messed up on how they always wanna pick the flaws of any other culture, especially those who have um, typically a bad reputation. So yeah, it's just really messed up on how they really center um, Hollywood and just entertainment on just inappropriate topics that just make a certain group seem bad. <laughs> I totally agree. And I think that that's a really good point to kind of start closing out on, um, especially because like when you look at white people and the things that they censor from history books, it's a lot of the, it's actually, it's everything bad that white people have done. And then they only focus on the things that are seen as like flaws to other groups of people. Um, but I just wanted to know if our participants had anything to close out on, anything that they want listeners to remember. Yeah, I can start us off. 
So one thing I think listeners should especially remember is recognize your biases and recognize the biases in your history books, especially when it comes to religion. Like, also, like, if you see something that's blatantly wrong about someone's race or someone's religion, speak up about it. Don't think that it's someone of that race or someone of that religion's responsibility because half the time they won't be able to see it on social media with the vast internet that we have. So saying that, oh, that's someone else's problem or that's Blank's problem, like, it's also your problem because in order to achieve a more equitable society, everyone needs to contribute and also recognize your privileges. And also, if anyone who is or Amina or Michelle, if you guys are listening today, I just wanted to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And that was really like all your comments were great. Uh, something I'd love for the listeners to take away from the podcast is um, please do not believe stereotypes at all whatsoever. Never play into them as well. Um, and another thing is do not engage in performative activism. Yeah, that's all I have. Yeah, just kind of like what Dima said, um, kind of just be aware of like what stereotypes you might um, be promoting. Um, Shantae was bringing up earlier the whole like Robbie thing on TikTok or the Baljeet thing because I remember like even the creators had to speak out which didn't solve the problem but you know so just kind of be aware of what you're prom- promoting and also like if um if if you like kind of be aware of the privilege you have if you do and also with that take like take the time to unlearn things you might have been taught whether that was through social media or like your school curriculum like it's your responsibility to unlearn that and also just to kind of go along with that is is kind of it's okay to take space away from social media because sometimes it does get too overwhelming with like too many things happening at once that doesn't mean not to care about it it just means like it's okay to take a break um especially if you're um if the things going on on social media are a group you're part of it like you need to take a break sometimes because it gets too much Um, yeah, so just something I want um, the people listening today to leave with is try um, to have all the activism you engage in be as genuine as possible. Like, don't pretend to care about an issue just because your friends are pressuring to care about the, the issue. Um, and if they are pressuring you to care about an issue, then it is definitely something that you would want to look into and research because it's probably important. So. One thing I would like the listeners to take from today's episode is, you know, to love others. Um, doesn't matter what differences you may have with them. Love others before you love yourself because we wouldn't be, um, we can't have a society without love. And sure, you are to love yourself, of course, but just make sure to love others and show it, not through Instagram, not through just words, but through your actions. I just wanted to say that a couple updates on our end. We're going to resume back to weekly episodes and Lena is our new moderator. So we hope you enjoyed today's episode and I'm going to 